six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. We have commit and we have liftoff at 213. And it has cleared the tower. Prepare yourself for a world of seriousness. Good morning, everybody. Conley here with Science Nights in the Morning, and uh, we have uh, two nights assembled today. We have Dr. Thomas Schiller and all the way from Australia, Dr. Sean Graham. And very, uh, I'm very excited to introduce our guest today, Cody McCollum. Right? Yes, sir. All right. What's up? How's it going? How's it going? Good to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. Cool, man. I'm really excited for the show today because we're talking about one of my favorite consumables uh, within the culinary world, you could say, uh, is mushrooms. Pizza. I, oh, I love, well, mushrooms. <laughs> hey, mushrooms and black olives are my go-to for pizza right now. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and the green bell peppers, those are awesome. So, But we're going to be talking about all, all fungi today. Now, you are with Big Ben Fungi, right, Cody? Yeah, so I started the Big Ben Fungi company about a year ago, and we grow gourmet and medicinal mushrooms, and we serve the community of the Big Bend. And uh, things are going good. Things are going good. We're going to continue to do that and branch off into more research-type things with fungi. That's cool. Now, I checked your Instagram out, and it literally looks like you are in, like, a laboratory because, like, all these mushrooms that you have growing, they look so interesting. They're, they're like, otherworldly. Their structures, their biological structure seems almost otherworldly. So uh, tell me exactly uh, what a mushroom is and where are mushrooms in our floral faunal kind of uh, environment that we have. Sure. So a mushroom is actually the fruiting body of my what they call mycelia or mycelium so the mycelium functions almost as the root system of the mushroom and that's really uh the main structure the mushroom is just the fruiting body so once this mycelium has done what they called colonizing or decomposing dead uh organic matter whatever it may be once this cycle's been completed, it knows that it's over and it's time to continue the cycle. And it does that by producing a mushroom, which then drops spores, which spread out and start the process over again. Interesting, interesting. And they're, they're not within the plant kingdom, right? They're their own sure. kingdom. So sure. we're not, it's not a flora fauna thing. It's, a, it's an even weirder kingdom of organisms what kind of kingdom is that like what is that like the you get past the the main boss but there's like this optional boss <laughs> that you get to go to is that is it yeah. kind of like that <laughs> yep that and they call it uh kingdom fungi oh so, okay yeah it's they're unique they're their own separate not quite plants not quite animals oh wow well that okay so what do vegans do oh that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know if any of us can answer that question. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> well, they obvi obviously tell us they're, constantly that they're vegan. They're, we know that. They're sad and malnourished. Yeah. Well, I can tell you that they do eat mushrooms. Okay, so. well, good, good. Yeah, mushrooms are all all clear on that. Well, they're kind of a popular we meat We don't want to sure. alienate our West Texas vegan audience. Yeah, of, sorry, of, vegans. Of one, right. of one person. We don't want to alienate that one person. We, we love our vegans. We, we love them, and uh, we change cherish them yeah sure okay okay <laughs> all right continuing on with the fungi talk sean did you have any questions as far as like what fungi is and and what what do you know well, about yeah, it i think it, it might be it might be good to mention that like so i'm not super clear on exactly where fungi are on the um you know on the organism uh you know family tree but it's it's good to like so plants and animals are are multicellular critters that have cells with nuclei with a nucleus in the cell and you know everything that's not multicellular you know we dump into this big garbage can called the protists the protists are single-celled organisms with nuclei and so it's helpful to remember that fungi is a third group of multicellular uh, organisms with with cells with nucleus so 
that within all these weird little protists that we have floating around in the ocean, there are close relatives of, of, you know, the things that gave rise to plants and the things that gave rise to animals. They're all, you know, we, we, we can point to single-celled organisms that, that look like these things. And so the fungi are, are yet a third group that arose and became multicellular from that kind of uh, primordial soup. Absolutely. And so that's, that's what we're talking about here. And they do things totally differently than plants do, totally different than animals do. So it really is this third group of organisms that doesn't really get much street cred because you don't really realize they're there. You don't realize how much they're doing for the environment but they are doing a lot, and I, I'm hoping we'll get to a lot of that stuff. That Cody will be able to tell us a bunch of that stuff. Absolutely. I, I hope, yeah, cool. And um, just to build off of that, how you said it's there, but we might not even notice it. So in a typical cubic inch of soil, they believe there to be possibly about eight miles of hyphae, which are the strands <laughs> that make up the mycelium. And also right. to build off uh, that is that they also believe that mycelium was the root system for plants before they evolved the root system. Oh, wow. And that so is awesome. still currently mycelium that's under the ground mediates the environment around it. So say it's growing in a patch of oak trees and there's some really big oak trees, but there's some young ones trying to come up, but because they're under these large ones, they can't get enough sun. They maybe not enough nutrients. Hmm. The mycelium will cut the nutrients off from the bigger trees that doesn't need it and send it to these smaller trees to get them along. But it's hmm. intelligent in that it's not just helping these trees survive. If it realizes that it's not a good decision for this tree to continue to grow, it will make the decision and cut off the nutrients to this tree. So they help mediate our environment in several, several different ways. Well, they're, they're really important for a lot of desert plants too, right? They have to have that, is it called mycorrhiza, whatever, the, the fungi that live on the roots of mm -hmm. a lot of desert plants? Absolutely. That fix nitrogen. Mm -hmm. So like well, a ocotillo yeah. won't survive if it doesn't have that. That symbiotic fungi that lives on the root system. Absolutely. Really? Well, well, how does the arid environment affect how fungi grows out here? Well, uh, you don't see much of it because mm -hmm. it's not human. Yeah. Or it's not humid. So the, uh, the fruit bodies tend to not develop, although there may be uh, mycelium under the ground. But we do have things like uh, lichen, which are very effective in you know, breaking down that rock into soil and things like that. So that helps the plants, uh, you know, get something to grow in, you know, so they huh. definitely play a role in, in that aspect. Wow. So yeah, they're, they're kind of one of the unsung heroes in the process of, of weathering of rocks. You know, you wouldn't think of, of lichens as being really effective, um, at weathering something, but over years and years, they can break down a, you know, a boulder sized piece of granite. Wow. And, and whenever you study your rocks like that, can you tell just right off the bat? Okay, yeah, this was totally... Well, you can see them actively growing on rocks. Not, oh, not, not okay. like in the, the low desert areas that mm -hmm. I tend to work, but if you go up into the mountains, um, that kind of desert varnish that you see on rocks, oftentimes you'll see these lichens that are encrusting the rock as well, and there's biochemical reactions going on there, and they're slowly yeah, but surely chemically breaking them down. If you go to the Chisos Mountains, uh, you've all seen the rocks there. They almost look like they've been painted with splashes of bright yellow. Right. And that, that's the type of lichen that's all over the place down there that's, that's uh, growing on bare rock. And it, I mean, it give, like if you take a good photo of you know, something off the Lost Mine Trail or something like that, it's always got those really beautiful bright yellow lichens. And uh, people who aren't familiar might be like, oh, somebody must have spray painted that rock. It's, no, it's a... <laughs> It's a lichen, which is a, a fungus and that's partnered with some sort of photosynthetic organism. That's what a lichen is. Would that make it that bright? Is there, is there a reason why it's that color? Well, so the, I think the photosynthetic partner is, is usually responsible for the bright colors. Hmm. But I'm not sure if it's the same way that like the bright colors of leaves, uh, like autumn leaves, are because you know, that, that's what oh, that's I see. from because yeah. it's 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 a photosynthetic pigment that's giving it that bright color 
but um yeah i'm not do you know that cody do you know if it's the is it the the because fun, fungi are are colorful so it could just be that they're just different colors and it could possibly be that it's uh it's spreading its spores out and those mm. those spores are the actual color but i'm not a hundred percent sure and it's the yeah. same uh they have a bioluminescent uh mushroom and they're not exactly yeah. sure what that function or what that uh, bioluminescence, what function it serves, but they are they do have glow in the dark mushrooms. So wow, man. yeah, yeah, that's cool. It's and I think what, when you mentioned that the, uh, the 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 mycelium is this kind of almost root-like structure, and that plants—it's an interesting idea that plants would have originally depended on mycelium and then eventually grew their own roots. And that points to kind of a big difference between plants and fungi and what and what fungi are really good at. So plants, their root systems are really only for or only good at pulling water out of the soil. Mm. And they use that to grow. They need the water for photosynthesis. They need it to grow. They need it for water transport through the whole plant. The roots are pretty good at getting water out of the soil. Plants really aren't that good at pulling nutrients out of the soil. That's what fungi are good at. Fungi are, fungi are good at absorption. They've got these millions of little kind of cellular tendrils throughout the whole soil, and they're picking up any kind of nutrients, any kind of decaying organic material, and absorbing that into their own tissue. And so a lot of fungi partner with plants to pull that nutrient stuff out of the soil, provide it to the plants in return for a kickback from the plants the plants will give them some of the sugars they're making from photosynthesis. So they partner up. And that's what uh, Dr. Schiller was talking about when he's talking about these partnerships between plants and fungi. And the more we look, the more we find that there's more, there's a ton of those partnerships. When it was first discovered, it was like, oh, wow, this is like a really cool mutualism between plants and fungi in these couple of examples. And then they just started looking and realizing that nearly all plants on Earth have these partnerships with fungi. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's kind of like illustrate something here because this is really interesting. There's a lot of fungi are so. Is it fungi or fungi? Uh, I think either one. It, either one derives cool. depends from, on it's derived, your level of snobbiness. I think it, it's derived. <laughs> it's derived from Latin. I think so. It's like a hard G or a soft G. There might be some debate, but either one is correct. I believe. Uh, yeah. okay. I, think, I think the snobby Brits call it. Uh, fungi, fungi. Oh, so yeah, there's fungi. even a, a third fungi. snobbier way of saying. Yeah, oh, man. Sorry there, to our British, our British listeners, <laughs> our one British listener over yeah. there with honor bond. Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, so let, let's paint a picture here. Okay, fungi are so powerful, and they're such great absorbers, right? Because whenever you throw them in in a dish, it absorbs all those flavors, and it makes that that little nugget of beauty like just taste absolutely immaculate. Now. Say we're going into your laboratory, right, sure. where you grow these. Yeah. Like, when you open up the doors, especially, like, I'm just imagining, like, a Stranger Things scene over here. Like, just, like, <laughs> in my brain, I'm, you're opening up the doors, and there's light coming through in this really dark, humid space. And you see spores everywhere, but you can't really see them. They're just kind of in the light. Is that, is that what it looks like? Or describe to me what it looks like in your lab. Uh, well, it- in the in the growth space, we call it a fruiting chamber because oh, okay. we have a laboratory where we do lab work yeah. and more work with the mycelium. But I think wow. you're talking about the fruiting chamber is yeah. what it's called. Okay, and it it is it's a dark room. We do use light, but we try to use a lot of natural light because uh, the mushrooms aren't photosynthetic, but they're uh, phototropic or photosensitive. Mm. So they'll move towards light. It can, it can give them some direction to grow in mm. the ways that you want them to grow. But it's uh. We maintain it. It's cold, so they like it a little on the colder side between about 55 and 65 degrees because that that cooler temperature also uh, triggers that mycelium to fruit. So it tells the mushroom, hey, it's getting cold. Things are dying. It's probably time to try this again. But the fruiting chamber, it has a dense fog. We keep it at at about 98% humidity, so it's very foggy. And it is. It's like another world. You know, every time I go in there, I just get that feeling of amazement. You know, it's just yeah. these things, they they seem otherworldly. And they very well may be. <laughs> yeah. It kind of sounds like, like your 
you're replicating the Pacific Northwest or something. Sure, sure, and almost like a uh, almost like a forest floor mm-hmm. because we move it through some changes uh, with the CO2. When we're trying to get the mushrooms to start to form at first, the CO2 is a little higher. And then as they would grow out of that debris that's in the forest floor, we add in more fresh air, and that also triggers them to grow and oh, man, reproduce. That, wow. So, so okay, talking about, and we're going to get into this more uh, during next break. We have about five minutes. Okay. So, uh, but before I allude to this, because we're talking about using it in, in food, right, and consuming it, we're going to get to that next break. But... What is going on with the gills and what is the what is the anatomy of a mushroom and how does each part kind of work together? Sure. Well, there's uh there's different parts to a mushroom depending on in different types, of mm-hmm. course. So you have the gills, which have gills and you can see those. And then there's things like a polypore mushroom, mm-hmm. which has uh pores. And it uh, drops the spores out of these pores. The gilled mushroom drops it from the gills. Um, but basically you have, you know, generally speaking, you have a stem and a cap and then some type of uh, like the gills to drop the spores from. And when you see a mushroom for- first start to form, it's about this big, you know, mm. very tiny, about a quarter of a centimeter and it just looks like a little pin and it's all in there and then they grow very quickly so they grow from th- that size to you know huge in yeah. about a week to 10 days what what's the green flag like what, what what's telling it okay go 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 grow. fresh fresh air fresh, fresh air. air okay so throughout the whole process we keep the uh we use bags and filters that keep the uh, fresh air from entering and that's one of the pinning triggers is what they call it so when we put it in the uh, the fruiting chamber the reduction in temperature the increase in fresh air and the light all these things combined tell the mushroom we've probably reached the outside of the trunk of the tree or the top of the ground and now it's time to produce a mushroom sweet yeah yeah, I, I had a quick question. We're using the term mushroom. Do you use that collectively for all fungi, or, or is that a specific term that you use for the fruiting body? It is a specific term okay. for the fruiting body. So not all mycelia form mushrooms, but all mushrooms come from mycelia. Okay, gotcha. Interesting. And and how, like, say you have a two by or one by one block right a perfect square of mycelium right because we've seen those right sure how how many mushrooms can you expect that block one by one one foot by one foot to produce can it go on and on and on it can really and um so we kind of do industry standards we let it what they call flush or produce mushrooms twice Mm -hmm. and then we we uh, compost the block and get rid of it just for uh, to keep things clean and moving out and because each uh each time it produces it it will take a little longer but yeah. uh those blocks that we have in the fruiting room they can produce up to 10 11 times if wow. you keep uh sometimes you might have to take that block halfway through and rehydrate it mm-hmm. but um yeah several several people get multiple flushes out of a single block and it'll just shrink and shrink and shrink and shrink that block and interestingly you get you get less mushrooms each flush but they're bigger right so at the end of three or four flushes you may just end up with one single massive mushroom (laughs) which is pretty cool too (laughs) so you're just growing these on a on a block mixed with substrate yes okay so uh we do everything in-house and we use uh, biodegradable plastic and uh it's a mixture of uh, soy holes and sawdust, and then we add a proper amount of water. Sometimes we supplement it with things like wheat bran, mm-hmm. and everything's measured out. We check the moisture content, and then we inoculate it, which means we add the uh, myceliated grain spawn. And then, again, we put it in incubation for about 10 days, and then after that, we throw it in the grow room, cut it open, and expect to see some mushrooms pretty soon. 
Cool. That's awesome. Well, we're about to go to our next commercial break. Afterwards, we're going to be talking more about your process of actually creating these things and then also the process of us consuming them, right? Because there's a lot of different ways we can consume them. There's ways we can cook them. I have a personal question that apparently I've been doing it wrong for years, but I don't think so. We'll we'll talk about that. And then uh, also medicinal purposes too next break. So we'll see you then. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Science Nights here. we got a very special guest who's talking to us about production, uh, commercial production of fungi. And uh, I guess uh, I'll bring it in by asking a question. So you mentioned that you inoculate your kind of source material that the fungi is going to grow off of. Uh, Where where do those come from? I guess is there some big, massive corporate uh, supplier like a big barrel fungi or us yeah so who 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 do you buy your uh, source fungi from so we do everything in house so when we started uh, you can buy commercial strains of mushrooms and things like that they're called cultures but yeah. once once the mushroom produces if you catch the spores from that mushroom it's considered kind of your genetic Thing. So, right. in, so did you get your original stocks from the field, from the wild? No, we didn't. Uh, they have some commercial strains uh, yeah. okay. that we got that are very reliable and things like that. But we did Ooh. start off uh, some a few of our strains that were still growing from spore. So we did the whole yeah, thing okay. um, like that. But we do everything. We make our own uh, Petri dishes. We pour our own plates. Uh, oh, wow. We make our own bags. Some companies, you know, have the uh, mycelium kind of shipped in. We do everything in-house. And it's way better because we can uh, keep better quality control on the product and things like that. And uh, you never know what can happen during shipping. So, Yeah, and yeah. I, bet, I bet it's nice, like, making your own Petri dishes, too, because, you like, you know exactly what's on it, like, at the microscopic level to where you order something off a, of, you know, Sure. Petri dishes are us, right, Tom? Sure. Uh, and you don't know what's on it. Sure, yeah. It's basically just running the same science experiment over and over <laughs> and over again. And so by making our own Petri dishes, we remove a variable. Mm. Because things can go wrong at every step of the mushroom growing process. And the more we do it ourselves, we can eliminate that outside factor of maybe they didn't do it right maybe they were off that day or something like that and it also helps us uh learn the process and really see what's going on and uh really really connect with these mushrooms (laughs) that's awesome man is it is it common practice now to to grow them in these cubes like you described because i always imagine and i've probably seen like documentaries about it where they they grow you know your standard mushroom that you get at the grocery store like on a plate of manure like that was when i was a kid you know you always wash the hell out of your mushrooms because the presumption is that that they're covered in in crap so is has that changed is that now the standard to grow them in these cool little self-contained cubes um i think they still grow uh like the white button mushrooms mm-hmm. in that style but yes the blocks is the new uh style one it keeps it clean you're, so you're not having to clean anything at the end of it. You can just throw out the block. It's easy to manage. And the biggest thing is keeping everything clean. Mm-hmm. It keeps everything a lot cleaner. And the mushrooms really like a clean environment, nice fresh air, things mm-hmm. like that. So Yeah, your method sounds a little more appetizing than, yeah. <laughs> than the now, manure. That, that leads us into that personal question I was alluding to last break. Listen, man, I, I've been eating mushrooms for as long as I can remember like in my 20s like before then I, I was really picky right but you grow into where you really appreciate earthy things i drink unsweet tea like if the more earthier the better and every time i have consumed a mushroom or got it from the store i never wash it i just eat the dirt on it with it i'm cool with it it tastes good you know and i never pick a lot of people are like oh just scrape the gills out and you you like prep it and then you cut the ends off you know to get that little tough end piece off oh and then you gotta wash it and get all the, the see all the dirt on it and i'm just like i ah, throw it in there man just i'm, I'm gonna eat it that's, and that's it's poop. most organic that's poop, form. Conley. is it that's poop <laughs> is it really but don't worry it, it's <laughs> the, the grocery it's store stuff <laughs> what have i been eating? 
Well, well, Cody's mushrooms okay? don't have poop on them. Is that everyone. okay? Is, is, is I'm sure I'm it's fine. Okay? Yeah, you seem to be doing fine. So. I'm doing all right. Yeah. Builds your immune system. Yeah. I think so. I do the same I thing, like Conley. Right. I do the same thing. I don't wash. I don't wash anything. I don't wash. <laughs> they're like, oh, you gotta wash your lettuce. Wash. I'm just like, man. <laughs> you gotta wash that inner thigh. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I'm glad I'm not alone. Thank you, Sean. I, I feel yeah. I feel and a lot you, better. If you now. wash your lettuce, you wash your lettuce with tap water. Mm. And if there's salmonella on there, you really think that got rid of the salmonella? No, probably not. No. Wash, rinsing it with the tap water. <laughs> and you know, alpine tap water probably has higher salmonella content than, than your lettuce does. So we're going to alienate every single one of our viewers by the end. Of- you're not listeners. wrong, though. You're not wrong, man. But uh, anyway, everyone yeah. at the water department is gonna <laughs> get pissed off about this. So, what, what Sean? What, what are you? Do you do you buy mushrooms in Australia? Is there like a mushroom store in Australia? Or yeah, yeah, like, like you get it the same at, at your grocery store in the in the produce section. They they have the nice white button mushrooms and uh, you know. Portobellas and whatnot, the usual, uh, and so yeah, I love I love throwing it in, you know, your Italian stuff and uh, throwing it in a salad. That's I, I love mushrooms too. I'm with you. I think they're they're really yummy and tasty. And I, I would be into trying some of the more rare ones if I could afford it. You know, you t- you hear people talk about what is it, morels or sorrels? Which ones? Morels. Morels. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I don't think I've ever had one, but it sounds tasty be into that well and and uh, there's a, a science when you're cooking them too like you add all these ingredients like what is I, i've never understood i know that mushroom absorbs everything but even if you it seems like even if you add a tiny little piece of oil completely changes your whole cooking experience sure. have y'all have y'all done that have y'all yeah. experienced that oh yeah absolutely uh you know i love cooking with mushrooms it's really fun um, I'm like you. I don't wash them off. All right. You know, especially, especially mine because I know they're good. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I do cook them thoroughly, though. I do recommend yeah. everybody cook them thoroughly. But, you know, it's one of those things. It's a it's a real experience cooking with mushrooms. And after you get the basics down of sauteing it and things like that, I'm getting into things now of, like, smoking and grilling entire clusters, you mm. know. And what I've come to learn is that mushrooms are kind of like meat, they will reveal how good of a cook you are, mm. you know, and it's just like meat. If it's cooked wrong, it's not that great. But if you get it cooked right and seasoned right, it can be one of the best things you've ever had. So, yeah. you know, mushrooms are very fun and they're very versatile. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell people they're almost like tomatoes. So you can put them on anything, mm-hmm. you know, add them to a burger, to a pizza, salad. You know, they're very versatile or try something new. I, I just literally I, I just get a bunch of mushrooms, dirt and all cook them throw some herbs in there and then i i uh bake carrots that's my new favorite snack man like nice. really oh, really like done baked carrots with mushrooms perfect mm-hmm. yeah that sounds really and good. that's your meat like you say it's like a good meat substitute oh absolutely yeah so yeah. i've done mushroom burgers before oh yeah, yeah. Uh, how oh, yeah. did you do it on the grill uh-huh yeah you take two big portobello mushrooms and you put an actual hamburger in between them what do you do with the gills beyond i don't i don't remove the gills yeah. oh you don't yeah. okay so and I don't I don't really wash the portobellas because they don't seem to have all the poop stuff on them like the button mushrooms. <laughs> it's not poop, man. It's not. I swear. I've been yeah. eating it for a long but time. But that, that's going to convince a, myself of that. That's a really good uh, good burger with two mushroom caps. Oh yeah, like a protein, beef like pack. all protein stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Instead of bread. Yeah, that sounds pretty awesome, yeah. man. Making me hungry, yeah, dude. Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really getting hungry and. Um, I've I've seen a lot of these like cooking shows and the traveling cooking shows and it always surprises me um, just the variety of edible mushrooms. You know, growing up, you think of mushrooms as being the, you know, the the Mario Brothers toadstool thing, you know, with the cap on it. Yeah. But man, there's some weird stuff out there. Like what? Uh, I can't remember what they're called. They're these big, just globular, irregular things. I think they call them chicken of the forest or ah, something. Yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? And there's just these big amorphous things that grow on logs, hmm. but they're like pure white, and I think they're really Are they soft. What's the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, they've got the, they appear to have the same texture as as your typical mushroom, but yeah, uh, people go out and gather them, and and apparently they're really pricey, like they're really? worth a lot of money. But th- those look delicious when they cook them up. Oh, yeah. oh man, yeah. I so, think I think you may be f- referring to my talkie. 
Okay. Is either chicken of the woods or hen of the woods, something like that. Yeah, but hen yeah, of the woods. Yeah. It's a very uh, choice mushroom. People love it. And they call it, I think my taki translates to something like the dancing mushroom mm-hmm. because people would, you know, jump for joy if they found it and do a little dance. Legend, legend has it. Legend so. has yeah. it. The lore of uh, the chicken of the forest. Yeah. So, um, but uh, so whenever you, and it completely depends. Like, so if you take a mushroom and just have water and like cook that thing, you have X mushroom mushroom exhibit A. Okay. Sure. Now you have another mushroom, same mushroom, same everything, exhibit B. But instead of cooking it with water, you add your spices. You add anything else, turmeric or. Or even like a nice steak, like the the fat that's melting off the steak. Mm-hmm. Now, what is, what is the difference between both of those mushrooms, and and does one pack a lot more nutrients than the other? Um, so mushrooms are kind of like meat mm-hmm. in that cooking them brings out some nutrients. Okay. So I'd say they both probably have the same uh, nutritional content. Okay. Uh, the flavor, of course, is going to be different, and it's I guess I'd compare it to like anything else. If you want that. Uh, if you want to really get the flavor of the mushroom, you could try it just plain. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to do something a little fancier, you always have the option to add other ingredients and hmm. and really experiment. Oh, cool. All right. Well, now I know. Nice. <laughs> All right. Nice. Sean, what you got well, as far as uh, cooking mushrooms and maybe medicinal? We can move on to medicinal mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was a little curious about... Strangely, I'm curious about the commercial aspect of this. Uh, it's interesting that this the area of West Texas where our show is based, I know we have an international audience, but I will bring it back to the local. Uh, we have these, these small companies that supply things locally, which are really interesting. It's not a very big market, but is, it, is the fact that the Big Bend region doesn't have, like, Walmarts, is that what allows you to make uh, – decent money a profit from selling mushrooms to our grocery stores is that how you're is that how it's working do you do you get the the are are, are the grocery stores there buying your mushrooms so to, to sell to the people or do you sell them directly to people how does it work we have like a coffee company there's people selling tomatoes we have now mushrooms we used to have a, a brewer uh that that you know, was really popular in town then fled. How's, how's the business aspect work? Uh, the business aspect. So we sell direct to restaurants throughout the big restaurants. Uh, okay. Marfa, Fort Davis, Alpine. And then we do farmer's markets. A lot of our sales are through the farmer's markets and things like that. And we are planning to get into the local grocery stores, but it's, it's a, it's a lot of mushrooms to be grown and to have those consistently. And you know, the fact that I'm the only one out here, yeah. doing it so yeah. you know yeah. it's it's really good and it's allowed me this year to get kind of a head start on everything yeah. and uh doing that i can cut down the cost of some of my production costs and things like that and i also was able to hire some help so we can do more now and things like that um and market uh, mushrooms are very popular you know and people especially out here are willing to pay what it costs for good fresh local produce i mean some of these mushrooms we literally pick them and get them to the customer or the restaurant within 30 minutes there's no there's yeah they go straight from the fruiting chamber to the transport cooler and they're never stored or anything like that so that's that's something that's uh unique to this area too i believe which works and uh which benefits yeah that kind of thing is taken off in certain markets. I know, you know, like the, I guess, place like San Francisco, you could probably buy a fish at a restaurant that some somebody caught right there in the bay that afternoon, Absolutely. and that's really cool. And that's, uh, mm-hmm. I love that that that's happening. You know, because think about it, any other place in Texas, probably it's just the typical, you know, chain kind of place the uh, applebees you don't know that chicken was grown on a farm in in wisconsin and shipped down four weeks ago and all that kind of you know mass market thing that we're all used to we all grew up on and it's cool to think about the the fact that you can you're you're getting in there despite the fact that it's this international corporate 
you know, production chain that provides most of our food. Absolutely. And you managed to kind of winnow your way into that market. I'm, I'm proud of you. That's well, great. I, I sure appreciate that. <laughs> I sure appreciate it. That's what's special about out here. You can really, like, live your passion, you know. And, Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, you're right, Sean. When it comes to, like, whenever you go to Houston or, or Dallas or something, you know, you're you're throwing your mushrooms right next to the – Susie's chicken nuggets and your vitamin water and like you move on and you know go to the whatever aisle you know, your high fructose aisle. corn syrup drink yeah. and oh my god you think about it that just the, yeah. oh, I bet you those, those button mushrooms in the grocery store they probably sneak in high fructose corn syrup <laughs> that's something I'm yeah. really curious I'd really like to try the mushrooms you're growing because um, something I've, I've discovered with other produce is there's such a huge difference between like a tomato, for example. A tomato you get in the grocery store. Again, we're lucky out here that we have the Fort Davis tomato place, so we get some pretty good tomatoes. But yeah. like a gross old tomato that you get at, at Walmart or something, compared to one that grows in your backyard, in your own garden, it's like night and day. Yeah. So I kind of suspect it's the same thing with mushrooms, and probably even more so because it doesn't seem like mushrooms would have a very long shelf life like Sure, and that's why you see those button mushrooms in the store because they have a very long uh, shelf life, mm. so they can sit in storage for a while. Uh, but yeah, people tell me all the time that they don't like mushrooms, but they like my mushrooms, and I've, I kind of feel the same way. And it's just that factor of so fresh, yeah, and so fresh. You know, it makes yeah. a world of difference. And you, you, know? and you take a lot of uh, you, you give. The mushrooms a lot of attention we personal do. attention you're connected with what you're creating and that's what's really cool too you're actually right now as we're as we're speaking right now if you're listening to this you are at the farmer's market right now it is uh 10 uh, 39 on a uh on a saturday, uh, morning. saturday morning yes that's right come on down <laughs> all right yeah well and uh you know just on that connection to mushrooms, so we have one that's called uh, the Big Bin Baby Gray Oyster, hmm. and I've been growing that same mushroom for over a year. So every time it produces or every few times that it produces, we'll grab a tissue sample, put it on a agar agar or petri dish mm -hmm. and grow that mycelium out again nice stretch the mycelium and then start the process over because we're looking for you know things how aggressive is it how consistent is it how colorful is it things like that and we try to capture those characteristics and continue them on and build on them so we really do have a close connection with the mushrooms. And it seems like it, like, grows, you know, proliferates, like, exponentially almost. Like, I mean, it's just, like, crazy how many you can get oh, and yeah. how many you can produce from those. And it's just... Absolutely. Uh, so a 15 by 100 millimeter Petri dish mm -hmm. can... Pr produce potentially up to a million pounds of mushrooms oh my god so that's a petri dish about that big Dang, dude. yeah so it can be it's what they call running mycelium mycelium running you get the mycelium going and then you run it or stretch it out across petri dishes across grain across substrate blocks and uh, you can get a lot of mushrooms from just a little little bit of mycelium thing yeah so the process you're describing that you use it sounds like it's pretty efficient too like there are not not many resources go into growing a lot of a lot of product sure yeah so that's a true yeah and that's a and then we take those pre petri dishes and we put them in cold storage because that mycelium it's living once it comes to the edge of the petri dish it's kind of, hey, what's going on? Do mm -hmm. I need to stop this process or is there something else for me to do? But when we stick it in those uh, cold temperatures right around freezing, it, it kind of uh, hibernates and waits before. Is it going to get colder? Then I'll just forget mm -hmm. it. But if it gets warmer, so when we bring it out of cold storage for a couple days, uh, so that's another aspect of how... It is pretty fairly simple. Once we run the mycelium, then we can just store petri dishes and take them out uh, as we need them. So, and remember, one petri dish can make a million pounds. So if I take one petri dish and I spread that out to ten petri dishes, now I have ten million. You know, yeah. and, and each one of those ten petri dishes, I can make ten more out of each one. And you can do that wow. quite a few times with the mycelium. 
Um, Dang. Yeah. The world is your mushroom, my friend. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and the That's world right. could become a mushroom if you have enough manpower. Yeah. And, and, uh, but All right. So we have a uh, commercial break. We're going to get to our last 10-minute uh, segment uh, here right after the break. More fun questions from Fungi. All right, everybody, we are back. Science Nights in the Morning. Dr. Sean Graham, Dr. Thomas Schiller, Schiller, and Cody McCollum here in the studio with me. I'm your host, Conley Razor. We've been chatting a lot about fungi, 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 however you want to say it. It's all right, because we're all right, maybe. We are all right today, and uh, we're, we're having some more fun. So we were talking about consuming these these fungi, right? And uh, they're so delicious. They're, it's fun to cook. You know, it's a completely different kind of medium when it comes to, you know, testing your culinary arts because it's a, it's a different, but it is a different experience. So what happens to your body when you consume these? And like, I, I know that there's a ton of medicinal purposes. And uh, I, I had an experience one time. I was out in the backyard uh, of uh, a house and saw this cat sitting there on all fours just eating a eating a mushroom just like gnawing away at it and then i became like me and the cat like we we met eyes and i became that cat Did and that you, cat you, became ate the, me. you ate the mushroom too didn't nice. you Colin? i could have been the cat <laughs> <laughs> but, but but anyway well, yeah i kind of kind of to segue into this i i have another question what what are what is the nutritional value that's something we didn't really talk about as we get into their medicinal properties what what is an what does a mushroom have to it so it, it's very high in protein and i believe it has uh vitamin d in it as well um and they're very good for things like, you know, mushrooms typically in general, you also, they're all going to have some anti-inflammatory and blood pressure regulation qualities to them. Um, yeah, you gave me this, um, this bottle of lion's mane, I believe. Sure. Man, and I'm serious, that does give you pep. Like, it gives you, it gave me energy in the morning. I, you know, oh, yeah. I take it every morning now. I'm going to be buying a lot more from you. Uh, because I really do feel I, I like the effect that it gives me. And, sure. So and that's a that's a, a fungi. It is. So that. that's uh that's the lion's mane mushroom. And you know mushrooms they're not a fad. We mm -hmm. people around here may be hearing about these medicinal mushrooms for the first time, but they've been used in traditional Eastern medicine for for thousands of years in places like China and Japan. They do studies mm -hmm. with this mushroom and things like lion's mane. It's good for focus, energy, and they use it to fight things like Alzheimer's and dementia. But it also tastes great. It tastes like crab or lobster, too. So you're really getting the best of both worlds. But you also have things like the reishi mushroom, mm -hmm. which has anti-cancer properties and uh, is just revered in the, in the, uh, in the East. Mm -hmm. They actually refer to it as the mushroom of immortality because there's so much myth, lore, and legend tied to these mushrooms. Um, mm. But they're very serious uh, medicinal mushrooms. They're not, uh, it's not a fad, it's not a passing thing. Mushrooms have been here and they're here to stay and they do have uh, very good qualities that people can improve their lives with these medicines that they can even grow at home. You know? Wow, yeah. So you get those benefits just by eating a fresh mushroom, or is it better to consume the dried ones? Or So you do get the, in it, the benefits from eating the fresh mushroom cooked, um, but we do a dual extract tincture because uh, we're trying to, so for lion's mane, there's heresiomes and aranesiomes, and we're trying to extract that. And some things can be extracted in water, some in alcohol, so we do both. And then we combine that extraction so it's shelf-stable. And this gives you a very concentrated and potent amount of the mushroom that you probably wouldn't be able to get by just eating it. Okay. So it's like an oil or a tincture that you Absolutely. Can very cool. Yeah, and you taste the mushroom, too. Like, you actually, like, whenever I took the lion's mane, you can see, like, some cool things, like, floating around in there. You know it's, like, potent, mm -hmm. and you take it, and... Um, it's crazy. I, I put it on right under my tongue. That's uh -huh. how I've always done it, uh, like those kind of supplements. Sure. Uh, but you really do get a full, like all of your taste buds, your whole head kind of gets encapsulated, mm -hmm. like just completely drawn to this real earthy mushroom flavor. 
and uh, it's really cool, and it wakes you up. And I, I get well, pepper a, every it's morning. It's a common, a common uh, additive and and like popular, um, um, like energy drinks. Yeah, and stuff, energy Red drinks Bull and, and stuff. yeah, stuff like that. So I've heard of it before. I didn't know it was a mushroom though. Minus the turpentine that they put in those things. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. touch the energy drinks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've really stopped. Well, high fructose corn syrup, number one ingredient, and then, and then water. Yeah, <laughs> and then a little bit of lion's mane. <laughs> I think I prefer the 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 oil version. Or sure. The, concentrated version yeah so so these things have been like you say they have lore they have legend um sean how would you describe the way the body absorbs nutrients from fungi or or or, uh things like this that we eat oh well you know i would only you know it's the standard way you know it goes it goes through the stomach and and get pulled through the small intestine into the bloodstream and so you know, these small, I'm not sure what kind of compounds we're talking about here. Maybe Cody could tell me, but uh, what kind of, do you know what kind of like, you know, biochemical compounds that these things usually are uh, that that make them so potent? I do uh, not. Or, yeah, neither do I. I'll, I'll plead ignorance. But, <laughs> me too. You know, uh, it's, it, you know, it's all such a huge cornucopia of, of different biochemistry. That, that can affect all kinds of things. And, and a lot of times the way these things work is they mimic your body's own signals, right? So, sure. you know, uh, one of these little chemical compounds might just mimic slightly a chemical messenger that might boost your immune system. It gives it a, a signal that it would normally uh, interpret as its own signal. And so they're just like, you know, they're similar looking compounds. A lot of times you know, that's the way that toxins work. You know, a toxin might uh, mimic uh, the chemical chemical messenger between a muscle and a neuron and therefore block the normal signal between a muscle and a neuron, causing paralysis. It's just a but and it comes in it's in snake venom or in a, in a puffer uh, fish toxin. And it, and it is similar enough to that compound that it, it will mimic it and cause it to stick onto your neuron instead of the appropriate molecule. So it's a lot of, a lot of times it's just similar chemistry for the mushroom. Uh, you know, who knows what it's using that compound for, but we can kind of co-opt it and use it for our own benefits. The way a lot of those things work, uh, plants and fungi um, and in animals. It's just, it's just, there's so much chemistry out there that it, and your body uh, is so complex and all the chemicals that it uses that it's not too surprising that there could be a natural compound out there that you could use to your own benefit. It might be DMT or something like that in there. Don't, don't a lot of plants have naturally occurring yeah, DMT? Yeah, they do. And we do. Yeah. We, yeah. we, we, we yeah. all have, every organism has Something it. to look up after we get out of here. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, for sure. And uh, what, what's cool is the extraction process. What's the extraction process like? So first we do a still extraction in alcohol. It just sits in uh, alcohol and it gets shaken uh, continuously every few hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that happens for about a month, over a month. And it's just a time thing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then we do a hot water extraction. So we heat that water up to about just right before it's boiling. So mm-hmm. about 200 10 205 degrees and we run that for about four hours wow and uh then and we use uh fresh fruit body fresh mushrooms for each part of the extraction Mm. and then we combine those two extractions until it's about 25 percent alcohol by volume which makes it shelf stable and uh, then we bottle it up and get it out to the people nice is there like a cue that you have like whenever you look and see like Sean, you got some. Well, everybody here has some time behind the microscope, right? Mm-hmm. So, what mm-hmm. like is there a particular structure you're looking to really dial into? So, for the extraction, especially in the alcohol extraction, it's color. Oh, okay. Uh, I've come to learn it's about a, it's about color. Once you get a real, you can kind of have a weak extraction that's almost uh, clear, and then you can have an extraction that's very colorful and very dark. So the the ratio extraction will be brown or red. The lion's mane extraction is kind of yellow and things like that. So I look for color and make sure that it's extracted for long enough. That can be a big thing. People get impatient and they think three weeks is long enough, but it's probably not. So Wow. And then you ship it out and then we get energy from it and uh, the world is whole. And then we realize that we're all one. 
there's no such thing as death, and uh, we're the imagination of ourselves. I think yeah. those are those are different mushrooms, as, as Bill Hicks would say. But, <laughs> yeah. He was uh, doing it, some different mushrooms. <laughs> anyway, no, the, this has been a lot of fun. To end the show, I really want to know what ignited the curiosity in you, Cody, about because these are these are organisms that are so unique and out of this world. And what made you want to put so much of your passion and effort into what you do? Well, you know, it's a there's a lot of variables that go into it. Uh, one, I didn't like the job that I was at too particularly, so that was a main driving factor. But I mean, there's just so many. The uh, you know what really struck me was the beauty of these things, you know, and I wanted to grow them for that reason, just to have these cool uh, fungi growing in my house and things like that. Uh, but then you realize that they're very healthy and they can ha they have these medicinal qualities and things like that. But then it's even further than that. It's uh, learning that there's mushrooms like Pestilotiopsis, Microspora, which is a plastic eating fungus. So, you know, not only the, the way they look, the visual, the health aspect of it, but the environmental aspect of it. I hate plastic. I hate it because it's so cheap and we use it all the time and we need to figure out ways to get rid of it. So it's really a broad spectrum of things that drew me into it and continue to keep me engaged with the mushroom. That is awesome. Uh, gentlemen, any other questions before we wrap this uh, awesome episode up? think I'm good. I, one thing that I can mention, I, I did a little bit of research uh, before coming here, but not much. And there's a reason for that. Uh, mushrooms have been around for a long, long time. Um, we don't know exactly how long because their fossil record is terrible. Obviously, they don't have any skeletal structure. But there, I, I was looking up some papers that claim to have mushroom fossils that are like 700 million years old. Wow. Which Jeez. is before the Cambrian explosion, before all the major groups of plants and animals arose. So they may, they may be really, really, really old. And there's some cool studies going on trying to recognize unique structures and, and compounds of those mushrooms. I think they're looking for chitin. Mushrooms have chitin in them. Um, and using like uh, uh, um, spectrometry to figure out whether or not a rock has has fungi in it it's really crazy stuff but uh, yeah they're they've been around for a long long time yeah wow well we learned from our elders right that's right so uh sean what you got man that that's it thanks for coming cody that was yeah, a great a great show G good talk well thanks for having me i really appreciate it all right well we will see y'all next week on science nights in the morning Thanks for listening to this episode of Science Nights in the Morning. Be sure and follow us on Patreon for exclusive gear and uncut episodes. Check out the latest science articles on our Facebook page and subscribe to us on YouTube and your favorite podcast listening app. You can also listen every Saturday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time at BigBenRadio.com. And if you got a question, we'll join the discussion. Hit the hotline at 432-217-1983 and record your message. We couldn't do this without you, and thank you so much for listening each and every week. That's Science Nights in the Morning with a K, and we'll see you next time.